Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about everything from Gunpla, which are Gundam models, to the anime series, the movies, the music, lore, concepts, and anything and everything else that is Mobile Suit Gundam related. Isn't that right, Brian? That is correct. And today, Isaac, we have another mailbag episode. Our mailbag runneth over, Isaac. It's filled to the brim. It's like that red crimson sack that Santa carries, you know, in all the pictures. And it's just overflowing. <laughs> like, oh, why, why doesn't he just carry two? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought his pouch was like magic, right? But why does it overflow if it's magic? Oh, that's true. Like, it could just be yeah. a pocket, right? If it was magic, he wouldn't have to carry anything. Maybe. Or do you think he, like, make it overflow in the presence of children so they get excited? So they're like, oh, my God, there's so many presents. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's, like, playing the part, you're saying? Yeah, he's like, all right, I better shrink that pocket little galaxy that I have in there, <laughs> that little pocket dimension, and make it overflow. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'll go with that. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> listeners, I think th- what we've been doing is been doing a, a mailbag episode every 20 episodes or so of the show. However, that assumed that comments would come in at a certain rate, and apparently over the last 20 episodes, they've increased. So we, we may not make it through all of the male topics that we had planned for tonight. We'll see how it goes. But I think overall, Isaac, I would just like to say that we love the listeners because they have so many great comments. I love this. Yeah, we read your comments, and if we don't respond all the time, even if we don't address it even tonight. But number one, we thank you for them. You took the time to write down an answer. Sometimes there's something we requested during the episode. Other times, just with your own comments, observations, ideas. And they're great. They're great. That's what these mailbag episodes are all about. They're about you, the people. The people who must be heard, Brian. (laughs) The Gundam fans. And on that note, Isaac, I guess, listeners, if you have any topic ideas that you would like us to cover in the future, please let us know. We're always looking for more topics, right, Isaac? Yeah, I mean, we have a toilet paper roll length... (laughs) (laughs) of topics to go through that we've created but you know you guys are gundam fans too if you think of something interesting uh pitch it just leave in the comments we'll see we'll see what we can do sunset productions will do its best to get to your top sunset oh yeah sunset the sun might be going down but our ideas are gonna be up all night All right, Isaac, let's break into our first topic here. Sure. I think what we're going to hit first is the top five female pilots episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like anything top five, really, in Gundam, it was not only an issue of what you liked the most, but also <laughs> maybe maybe certain people were overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah we got we got a lot of flack from certain people for uh excluding a certain someone so i'm just gonna get it out there and and do it up front here isaac i'm not gonna read through every comment here but i'm just gonna say that we got a lot of flack for excluding one marita cruz from gundam unicorn uh, on both of our lists she was not on either of our lists and uh people were clearly like what is wrong with you people why why is marita not on your list (laughs) You call yourselves Gundam fans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so eat on you. I am me, not me. I know you both want to read a cruise. Jason Schmel, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, and at least a few other people, I think, via other avenues besides YouTube. We heard your cries loud and clear that Marita should have been on the list. So what do you think about that, Isaac? I mean, personally for me, Marita was, was great. I liked her a lot. Um, she just didn't make it to the top five. She was definitely in the top ten. But... <laughs> I'll say this, listeners, and I fully understand if you disagree with me here. 
I'm curious on your take on this, Isaac. We have not actually Uh-oh. reviewed Unicorn on the podcast. We will get to it someday. That's true. Yeah. But overall, in Unicorn, I did not get like a feeling of these characters were great pilots by looking at their pilot ability that was shown in the show, other than like full frontal. Everyone else didn't really impress me that much. Like Marita was good, wow. but, but she had the she had <laughs> the the quad wing, which I thought was like way better than most other things in the show. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on Marita? I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> not not to save my own skin from the tortures and the pitchforks <laughs> but um <laughs> i kind of have to agree with the the commenters to an extent <laughs> let me explain okay as brian said we haven't reviewed unicorn yet we've seen it we've seen it but we haven't reviewed it yet and our headspace time wise is just full of uc content that was pre unicorn Okay, that's most of what we watched, right, Brian? Original yeah. series, Zeta, Double Eighty Three, F Nine One, blah blah blah. So when we re- when we recently did this top five female pilots episode, so Marita wasn't taking up a lot of space in our brain, at least my brain, <laughs> that I think she should have. <laughs> You're the Zeon sympathizer. You need to justify yourself, sir. <laughs> You're right. You got me there. You got me there. I, I have no defense. Marita should have made it on the list as far as I'm concerned. So, yes, she should be somewhere on at least my top five female pilots. It's just my brain's bandwidth didn't include Marita when I had so much other, other women jockeying for, for the top five slots. <laughs> so for that, I apologize. I think Marita should be there. I'm not exactly sure where, but she should be on the top five. And yeah. <laughs> for that you have my apology and uh a, an invisible bow via podcast i mean i will also say listeners that it is very hard to create a list of just five female pilots I, there's a lot of them hang on a second though Brian. we, we can't let you escape um, <laughs> so none of the pilots in unicorn impressed you what do you mean uh other than wow. full frontal not really i mean uh if i had to pick one other besides full frontal it would be marita for sure she was good i, I okay yeah. i lied i lied I'm, I'm like spoiling the unicorn review a little bit but my favorite okay. pilot was the guy who piloted the custom Byerland in the battle of torrington he was like a nameless federation soldier they never actually even showed him huh and he just took out like i don't know 10 zeon suits by himself uh with all wow. kinds of cool moves marita was good i liked marita I wouldn't say that she you know, overly impressed me over any other people on my list. But like Benajer, I didn't really feel like he was that great of a pilot. He had the unicorn, which was a great suit and had all these fancy magic space powers. Ensign Riddy, I don't know. He was kind of a dope a little bit. I forget Full Frontal's right-hand man. What, do, you know, do you remember his name? Uh, uh, emo. L- Lieutenant Emo. Yeah, like <laughs> Emo Gune, right? He did not impress me at all. He he had like a terrible death. So, wow. I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind if, when I rewatch the show. But I did have her in my top ten. And she just didn't make top five. That's all. So it's, I agree that she's well in the conversation for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, you're entitled to your opinion, which clearly is wrong based on. The- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to an extent, you're kind of saying, well, the quad wing did all the work. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like, well, it's multi prong attacks and all its abilities and stuff. They anybody could have done that. So, <laughs> and maybe you're right. I don't know. But, <laughs> but so all right, Marita. She should be in a top something. Top eight, top ten, something yeah. like that. Agreed. Probably in my top five if I had to revive it, uh, revise it. But here we are. Okay. <laughs> so some others that were mentioned. Probably the number two that was mentioned uh, was Lunamaria Hawk from Gundam mm. Seed Destiny, which I did not see coming. Isaac, I like Lunamaria's design. I did not think of her as like a top five pilot though. No, no, I, I agree also because 
<sighs> Gundam Seed Destiny was almost just... It, it was very much a story-driven, not pilot-driven. And that's kind of a silly thing to say now that I've actually said it. But <laughs> I, I completely agree that she was not a great pilot. She was maybe fan service in a way. But yeah, very much not an Atherin. It's kind of weird that they put her in a red mobile suit, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the clear Char implications. And she wasn't like that at all. But no, she is not a memorable pilot, let alone a memorable character. I mean, I thought she was memorable. I'm just thinking she wasn't near my top five. She was never on the list. So there's no way she could be a top five. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's just our opinion. Uh, so some others that were called out, wanted to mention. Jaeger Zaku wanted Ru Luca from Double Zeta. He had her as his number one uh, pilot, which I, I like her a lot. She almost made my list as well, but I was trying to choose people from different timelines. She will make my list in the fashion episode, Isaac. Can't wait for the fashion episode. Oh, yeah. The fashion episode's coming up. Hyakushiki23 was on my side with Haman and your side. Great opinion there. You are correct, Hyakushiki23. <laughs> Eat on You had Lucrezia Noin from Gundam Wing, which is not a bad pick. I just think she needed more stuff to do in a mobile suit in the show to make the list. But she was always piloting an underpowered something. Yeah, not to be... Well, she had a low bar... And I say that because the Oz and Earth Alliance goons were, or they were just so pathetic as enemies. <laughs> Edon, you also had Laughter on his list, which I like. Laughter was a great character. Brian Robertson on YouTube was trying to settle our debate who's the baddest Zeon. Uh, he voted for Kaecilia Isaac. I mean, she's got a lot going for her just based on her name. I like the way he put it because he said, I was almost absentmindedly thinking about who has the high score for Zabi family members killed. And the first place spot, if I'm correct, is a tie between Shar and Kaecilia, both having killed two. Kaecilia killed Sasaro and Giran. Shar killed Kaecilia and Karma. I like Haman and Shima better as characters, but I can't overlook that Kaecilia did Shar's job just effectively as Shar himself. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Man, I wonder if that didn't happen. Like, how would Shar try to get Giran? I don't know. He would have found a way. He would have had to have stayed an officer longer enough to get close or used a mobile suit to do it somehow. Uh, who knows? We'll never know. Probably the least known pick, Isaac, was from someone named 11G on YouTube. His favorite female pilot is Sophie Fran from the Zionic Front Game and the Gundam Legacy Side Story manga. And you know what, Isaac? She's a Dom pilot. Ooh, just a regular Dom or I believe it else? is a Dom Funf if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It was <laughs> it was the precursor, I think, to the Dom Troppen. That sounds vaguely familiar, yeah. I think it was some type of prototype or something like that. But okay, cool. I wonder, I haven't read it. I mean, did, did she live? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. We, we'll have to go check it out. Zeonic Front is on our list to play through. Yeah. And when we do, we, we will incorporate the Gundam Legacy uh, chapters. So thanks for pointing that out, 11G. Uh, with your help, I was able to locate the manga. So can't wait to read that. So overall, Isaac, I guess we apologize for not putting Marita Cruz on our list. No. No, Brian. <laughs> you don't apologize. You stick to your guns, all right? <laughs> I will apologize, though. I have to apologize to my brothers and sisters in Xeon for uh, this this heinous oversight. <laughs> and uh, you don't apologize at all, though, because you're with the Federation. <laughs> you stick by your list and your opinion <laughs> i'm glad you recognize the error of your ways isaac yeah go back to jabrow and drink tea with gop <laughs> <laughs> i think you mean jaburo <laughs> jaburo jabrow jabrow <laughs> our next topic is 
what Western artists would you have make or create the live-action film's opening and ending songs? We had quite the outpouring of opinions here, Isaac. You've read through the comments. Did you expect some of these? Or, you know, overall, there, there was one glaring omission that we had, so I'll get that one out in front again. We had about 10 to 15 different people tell me this, was that we did not include Linkin Park on our list, and apparently Linkin Park, they are huge Gundam fans. <laughs> There's even like a Linkin Park version of, I believe, the GP1 full burner uh, in a special color scheme. Uh, I believe I did know that at one point, however, I must have forgotten it over the years. So I, we apologize for not putting Linkin Park on the list. Thank you for pointing that out. What do you think about Linkin Park, Isaac? I mean, back in the day, I guess that would have made a lot of sense, you know, the lead singer has obviously passed on. I'm not sure what that means for their desire or willingness to to do the movie. I mean, Mike Shinoda is still around, obviously, so it would just sound a little different. It would still be Linkin Park, I suppose. But Yeah, very tragic. If it's with their wishes and that of his family, can't we AI the voice and to an extent bring it back for some original song or something like that? I, You know, why wouldn't they, right? Because that would... If it was such a passion for him, it'd be even better to have that brought back. Now the Gundam's becoming a live-action movie. But getting back to it, I mean, Brian and I are both fans of many of Linkin Park songs. We both enjoy the music. came up during, dare I say, the peak of Linkin Park. Oh, absolutely. So it, it was definitely something that should have been on our list also. <laughs> I mean, I thought about Linkin Park, but I, I didn't yeah. put it on the list because obviously you know chester's yeah. not with us anymore so i yeah you knew it couldn't happen <laughs> yeah i mean i guess and that's not to say that mike shinoda himself is, is not good or anything it's just when i think of lincoln park i think of chester's voice and he's obviously not yeah, he's... not around anymore and i was thinking less so of like using an old song and more of creating a new one so obviously that's yeah. gonna be more difficult unless yeah you you went real deep into the ai like you said so yeah but i mean i absolutely agree i think brian does too that Linkin Park would absolutely smash a Gundam song out of this world, um, no pun intended. And yeah, these comments also also reflect that. You know, it, it Linkin Park is almost too easy of a choice to pick for Gundam music, right? Like I think Brian and I kind of we didn't go into left field, but we really dug into you know different genres and different different routes to try to get to our picks. Um, Linkin Park's a perfect choice. And it's, it's very much like saying um, your favorite ice cream flavor is chocolate. <laughs> so w Brian and I decided to go for much more exotic flavors <laughs> and uh, really really bring, you know, more interesting discussion topics because a lot Lincoln Park's amazing and they do amazing song. And that's all Brian and I would have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> well said. So with that, Isaac, I think maybe we'll, we'll mention some of the other artists that were called out. So, for example, uh, Jake on YouTube, he agreed with me, Isaac, that Amy Lee was a good pick. So suck it <laughs> clearly people still like her apparently <laughs> but he also mentioned artists like two steps from hell apocalyptica within temptation yeah. trivium rage against the machine wow rage against the machine isaac that would be something wouldn't it that would yeah i mean rage against the Xeon war machine oh oh look at that some of those that drop colonies <laughs> are the same that cause atrocities <laughs> <laughs> it writes itself <laughs> Or Sunset will write it for them and say, look, we did the words. Just do the music. <laughs> Please say this. Here's a dump truck full of money. There's a lot of space fascism in this. Just do it. <laughs> I don't even know what a dom is. Just say it. 
You know, if you made him sing a Zeon song and then they found out what Zeon was about, I think they'd be really upset. Probably. They, but you know what they do? They'd release an opposition song. <laughs> <laughs> White base in your face fighting fascism outer space. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think they. I don't think they would like the Federation either, because it's it's very much our world, like a corrupt democracy that doesn't really work that great. Yeah, I would. I think they would like the AUG. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'd be all over that. Yeah. Okay. You know what? We'll bring them in for Zeta. Yeah, they'll be in the Zeta film. Everyone. But. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, we'll absolutely do the AUG music. Are you kidding? <laughs> So Edan Yu also recommended perhaps a more relevant version of Amy Lee today, no offense to you, Amy Lee, is Lizzie Hale. She does original music with the band Hailstorm, and she also works with Lindsey Sterling, who's also another uh, pretty cool artist. And then there's also Christina Scabia, Scabia of Lacuna Coil. I've heard of Lacuna Coil. I've not really listened to their songs. Oh, they do like, uh, I think they're Italian, like death metal rock or something like that, but they do a really good cover of Enjoy the Silence. Oh, there you go. He also mentioned Mad Kid, uh, who did the intros and outros for, uh, I think, Rising of the Shield Hero, which is an anime series. Hmm. I gotta say, Frank Stangle, aka the Tank 894, <laughs> on on Twitter, he sent us this really cool picture of Lincoln Park uh, in front of a Gundam that someone drew. Oh God, yeah, it looks great, right? Yeah. So clearly they were fans, Isaac. Clearly this was <laughs> like the choice that we were missing. So. Yeah, we were blind to it. Brian, in our fantasy of creating some type of side story or, or whatever, we need like a, a pilot named like Bennington Chester or something like oh, that. Oh, there or, you go, yeah. Or like Shinoda Miko or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Bennington would work great. Yeah, or I don't know, the white base is named the Bennington or something like that. You oh. know, our, our, big, our obligatory Pegasus class is called the Bennington or something. Yeah, yeah, it could be one off. It doesn't have to be the main one. It could be one off to the side. That would be a, quite the honor, I think. I think they would they would like that there you go admiral shinoda <laughs> <laughs> well i also use this topic to introduce ourselves to reddit i went down that that rabbit hole oh my god opening us up to the criticisms of reddit which can sometimes be a unkind place but i did it and overall the response was positive we got a, we got a lot of comments um so i'm gonna list off some things we got from there from reddit so thank you to all the redditors who responded so we had uh two dangar suggest the arctic monkeys I haven't heard the Arctic Monkeys in a while, but I like their music, so that was, that was good stuff. Huh. Again, there was a lot of Linkin Park suggestions on here, so I know, clearly, missed them. It's deafening. <laughs> Robo Archer wanted Neil Sedaka, given that Sunrise used his songs for the basis for the Zeta openings and endings. And I think that's, that's where Netflix has a good opportunity for some fan service, Isaac. These songs in Gundam history that were sort of... I don't want to say covers, but heavily inspired by other songs like these Neil Stocka songs or the Kenny Loggins song. <laughs> Danger Zone. Yeah, they should get those artists to contribute something, you know, whether it's the ending or just sort of fun tracks on, on the album. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't, you know, go in the film, but it could be on the soundtrack. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. Yeah, Kenny Loggins is doing a Gundam Zone. <laughs> yeah. And just have him do the winner, you know, like his own version would be hilarious. Other Redditors, Passphrase suggested Aimer. We had a couple suggestions from Harlem, oh Harlem, oh oh oh, for TM Revolution. Kincaid Not Seabook on Reddit wanted The Killers. Ashman205 wanted some original songs by Brian Adams, U2, and Aerosmith. <laughs> I liked him because he had clearly thought about this before, Isaac. This was not the first time that this had run through his mind. <laughs> he was prepared. Wow. I mean, if this is a love story, Brian Adams will sing the hell out of it, <laughs> won't he? 
Yeah, like, why not? He did he did the song in Robin Hood and like that was a huge hit. Like people were like, Oh and that's like a wedding song for some people. <laughs> <laughs> like Maid Marion in Robin Hood. <laughs> wow, okay. And then Errol Smith. I mean, their song at the end of Armageddon was pretty good. Yeah, I mean Aerosmith has a lot of great songs, so you just gotta find yeah. one that that kind They've of fits, right? Okay, I like how this guy thinks. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, it's not not his first rodeo. Huh? Yeah, no. I mean, I laughed at first, but man, you picked some winners. Now that <laughs> I I caught I caught my breath, I'm like, whoa, good <laughs> on you. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear like a, a YouTube Gundam song. Wow. There you go. So thanks again, listeners. Those were some great suggestions, and we apologize for leaving out Lincoln Park. <laughs> yeah, man, what an oversight. Uh, we're all about oversights, apparently. <laughs> Brian, we're just too caught up in the now. We ignore what the majority would pick, what the masses would pick, and we just try to go for something that's that's just different and unique. <laughs> all right, Isaac, let's hit on a lighter topic. We did an episode about... What if there was a Gundam hotel along the lines of the Star Wars hotel? The Galactic Be- Star Cruiser, right? Is that what it, I already forgot what it's called. It's called the Money Pit. <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars Hotel LARP experience. So I am me and not me on YouTube. He was thinking of a moon race from Turn A museum experience. This You could have attractions from any canon and you know frame the interaction portions as old protocols or psycho waves reacting to the guests. And that's pretty cool, Isaac. I didn't think of that because I was trying to keep it more UC-centric. But bringing in the moon race as sort of like observers, it reminds me of like the Watcher from Marvel. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty great. You know, using the whole moon race and saying, well, you know, you can kind of go into any Gundam time period as long as the moon race is kind of your portal to it. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, Yeah. that's a great idea. You know, you could be in like a moon race ship or something like that or... The Moonrace Gundam Museum ship. And then, oh, this is the, you know, the section from Zeta. This is everything we've collected from Zeta, the, that time period. And over here is, you know, this is the seed era. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back when they had, like, wacky things like coordinators and, you know. <laughs> so, so you can go over there and check that out. I like that idea. And it, it perfectly meshes every timeline. Right. That's a great way to get all the different timelines in. And that way everyone has something that they like, right? Related to the same topic, Eat On You on YouTube pointed out that they did try out a sort of high-end four- or five-star hotel that was Gundam-themed. It was near Diver City. They had two Gundam-themed rooms. One was Gundam-slash-Amuro-themed, and the other was Char-themed. And I did find some pictures of it on a website called Appetite for Japan from 2015. I don't think those themed rooms are still around, but they, they did look pretty cool. It's not exactly what we're talking about here because this is more of an interactive experience, but in terms of like a themed room, it was pretty neat. Uh, it did look a little expensive, and there. but I what made me laugh the most, Isaac, is there it was a Amuro-themed toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the closest you'll get to uh, sitting in this chair. <laughs> <laughs> when you opened the closet, Isaac, there were pictures of the kids, Cats, uh, Let's, and Kika, and they, they kind of come <laughs> out of nowhere, which I thought was a little creepy, but... Yeah, it was kind of funny too, you know. Yeah. The, the adorable little kids. Well, I'm curious though, what was in like the Xeon room? What was in the Shars room? Like, I don't, did they show the closet? Like, it's just, is it the heads of zombies? <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of Zaku's. There, I'll, I'll try to add the link to the show description so that uh, if you're interested, you can click it and, and click through. There were quite a lot of pictures, so. It definitely looks like a good attempt, but at the same time, part of it kind of felt like they just threw Gundam stuff over an existing room. Right, yeah, it was not intended to be immersive, so. I mean, they did have that cool little cockpit, though, but, like, 
it didn't seem like it did much. It was, it was no tech. You know, it wasn't even plugged in anything. It was like a cockpit you sit in and you put on like the targeting computer, but you're just looking at, around the room. <laughs> yeah, it was a photo op. Isaac, the next one's for you. Uh-oh. So the Reaper on YouTube mentioned that he his headcanon for the new type monkeys in Crossbone Gundam Skullheart was that the Xeon cannon was used on them, which is the Zoological Entropy Orbital Neutron Cannon. <laughs> That's a perfect acronym for exactly <laughs> for exactly that situation. In the long line of Gundam acronyms that are horribly organized and vaguely appropriate for their <laughs> their actual use. So so we salute you for, for picking that acronym for the uh the transformation beam that made all these monkeys more intelligent. <laughs> Marginally intelligent, really. I mean... <laughs> hey, they beat the crap out of Harrison. He, he was like an ace pilot, supposedly. Oh, yeah, he was? <laughs> <laughs> I think Harrison's overrated. He's just lucky he wasn't killed by the Jupiter Empire. <laughs> Isaac, this is a good one. Devious1BR from Twitter wanted to let us know that there is actually a dub, an English dub, for Mobile Suit Gundam Igloo. And it's not too bad, apparently. Now, I was not able to actually find the dub... Yeah, where the heck is it? It's one of those English dubs from Singapore for the Singapore market only. Like, it never made it over here. But that's pretty cool. I would like to watch Igloo dubbed. We need to get a hold of that. I wonder if it's good. Since we didn't hear about it, we didn't know about it. I don't think I've ever seen a Singapore dub before. I'm very curious to hear a Singapore dub now that I think about it. They might even hire some of the same normal English VAs from over here, but it's just probably only licensed for that territory, so it can't really come over here. Oh, damn. I mean, why not? What difference does it make? God, come on, just license it. (laughs) Yeah, it's all about that money, man. Yeah. So if anyone has good links to the uh, Singapore dub, Mobile Sugundam Igloo, not something I thought I'd ever ask for, but uh, (laughs) please let us know, because I think that'd be, it'd be cool to at least hear a few minutes of it, just to see what it, you know, it sounds like. Yeah, what what voice they actually gave everybody. (laughs) I think what annoys me the most about this is that it's not so much that it didn't make it over here it's really just that it wasn't included as an option on the DVD or the Blu-ray. It's not like the show is even on TV over here. So I feel like if the dub exists and you're going to put it out on Blu-ray over here, the dub can't be that expensive to license. Come on, Sunrise. Sunset would have put it on there. We would have paid the fee. We'll hold out hope that, that, that as, the, as the digital age continues, people will dig up Singapore content and be able to upload it and share. <laughs> All right, Isaac, like this is probably our heaviest topic for today, Isaac. I don't know what you think, Isaac, but the discourse that we spurred on Gundam Wing, I thought was great. There were a lot of deep comments here. A lot of different people spent a lot of time on their comments, their points. So greatly appreciated. And it was a lot of fun to read through and correspond with with you all. So again, thank you. I'm not going to be able to read them all because, Isaac, we could do like a whole two-hour show just on these Gundam Wing comments. (laughs) There's so many of them, and they're quite detailed. But we will highlight a few of them here that I think will make for good podcast discussion. So, Isaac, overall, what did you think of these Gundam Wing comments? I think you were you were overwhelmed, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so many that we have to go through. We try to pick at least this first batch that was uh, going to be pretty interesting topics. But, I mean, this just shows 
that we aren't alone in the Gundam universe, Brian. There's, <laughs> there's, there's other super fans out there that have all these ideas about lore and concepts, and they have their own headcanon, and they have their own ideas about you know things that, that we talk about on the podcast, and they just want to share it. So this is great. This is amazing. Absolutely keep sharing. Absolutely keep commenting. We really appreciate it. And we actually read it and respond. So thanks for that. And uh, yeah, those of you that, you know, maybe don't like Xeon or the Zobbies, you can keep your comments to yourself. (laughs) 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 Or Doms. (laughs) Particularly Doms. If you don't like Doms, you can just turn it off. Yeah, me, me and all the Dom listeners, we'll, we'll, we'll pull up in our little our little hoverboards and skates and we'll be outside your house and come outside because we can't fit inside. <laughs> I'm envisioning it going exactly like the end of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back where they go and they find all their internet trolls. That's going to be you, except you're going to be out for the people that don't like Doms. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say Doms or the obese version of Mobile Suits? <laughs> yeah, I said that. Bam! <laughs> Kick their door in. <laughs> right in the kisser, yeah. <laughs> But back to Gundam Wing. So let's start on these, see how far we get. So Jake on YouTube uh, had a lot of good points. Well, the one that made me laugh was one of the biggest gripes I have is how OP the Gundams are. Three of them specialize in only melee combat. For fuck's sake, you'd think Oz would just spam them with bean weapons and wait till Heavy Arms runs out of ammo. Same with Wing. He's got a point there, Isaac. I mean, Oz could just kind of step back. It's a bit of an oversight on their part, or it just makes them seem more incompetent. Yeah, well... <laughs> Oz was incompetent by default because they lost all their power. <laughs> well, true. You can kind of say it in a lot of situations, right? Why not sit back and just spam? <laughs> yeah. They kind of were doing that, I thought, at a certain point. Weren't they? Yeah, I think... <sighs> Definitely once the boys made it to space. I feel like that's how Death Scythe was, was done in. I think something happened on Earth, though. I remember... Maybe it was a Saint Kingdom. I yeah. think that might have been the situation, too, where they're like, well, they're not going anywhere. Just... <laughs> To do the usual Dom thing where they just walk slowly and fire, you know? <laughs> Another user on YouTube, Honest Observer, was knocking it out of the park with these wing comments. So I, I've highlighted a few of, of your points here for discussion, so we'll, we'll see how far we get. First, I think Gundam Wing, as you guys pointed out, has a lot of great ideas, but is hamstrung by its execution. Conceptually, it reminds me both of Metal Gear Solid 2 and The Matrix Reloaded, which both came out within a few years of Wing being broadcast on Tsunami. An installment within a larger franchise that just has too many high-minded ideas and monologues that just serve to confuse the viewers. But it was ahead of its time in a few ways the Mobile Dolls forecasted the inevitable rise in drone warfare. I think he's pretty spot on with that, Isaac. I mean, there's a lot of talking in, in Gundam Wing. There's a lot of ideas. It was redone today, or, or, or even actually done today, and it didn't happen in the past. Um, that whole discussion about mobile dolls and, you know, humans fighting humans... Uh, versus humans fighting machines would have almost taken over the whole the whole series as as its uh, main main plot point main struggle um, between people's ideals because I feel like the really in this kind of pacifism thing it's we we all kind of agree to that already right like everybody wants peace but the whole discussion about well should we use machines as weapons and should we not it's much more complex and nuanced right maybe the show was trying to be about pacifism when what it should have been about was how to get to pacifism. And I feel like maybe that's where it was trying to go, but it didn't really get there. He, he took the words right out of our mouth, right? It was so many high-minded concepts all kind of thrown together and mixed up that it might not have been done properly. <laughs> Fans yeah. would disagree. But uh, yeah, I'd like to think many of us who enjoyed parts of it would say, yeah, this thing is it's half successful in some areas and other parts are just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> There was quite a bit of love, Isaac, for the Leo, the tall geese, 
and other Oz suits. They are not quite as disliked as we dislike them. But he was wondering if there, like, he, for example, he enjoyed the Ares. He liked the large thrusters on the back. And he was wondering if there was an equivalent in the Universal Century that you could think of, like some sort of Earth-based suit that was specialized for flight combat. And if I think of one-year war, the only one I could think of was the Goof flight type. Can you think of anything else? I know if you go to MHQ, you know, there's just a flood of mobile <laughs> suit variants that we've never seen that they, they claim exist. <laughs> like, you know, the Zaku flight type, the Dom flight type, the, you know, the Ifrit flight type, the, the, <laughs> the Gion flight type. I don't want to pull on those because, again, I've never seen it in a manga and I've never seen them in an anime series or OVA or what have you. So, no, I don't think Xeon had a ton of air mobile suits and I'm struggling to think of anything the Federation had that was mobile suit based that could fly other than the Gundam. Well, the Gundam essentially could fall with style to (laughs) Earth and protect itself from the atmosphere, but nothing like the Ares really, or or to that extent, even the Taurus, which could transform into a bit more of a, a better attack fighter. Yeah, nothing comes to mind. Yeah, I guess there's more if you go into the Zeta era, but then then everything flies, so it's not yeah, quite as yeah, specialized. It, everything's got a an attack, a, a mobile armor mode, and yeah. to fly faster in space. And uh, it's like, oh come on, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't last long. You're a mobile armor, and you're a mobile armor. Yeah, yeah, you can transform. It's like, well, I really don't want to transform. Why don't we just keep the frame the same, and we just make the engines go faster? It's like, no, we, you, need, you need to transform for some reason. <laughs> you need to take a spherical shape. It's more intimidating when you approach your enemy that way. But I'm going to have to go against some of these wing comments, though, Brian, because, like, y- yes, the Ares was great, and it has cool thrusters because it can fly, but it's still it's still such a hideous big fighter pilot-looking helmet thing monster flying around with its folded-up knees, you know, and, and yeah. the, the Taurus is also kind of a cheap thing because it, you know, kind of lays on its back and it's got its optic sensors just looking into the sky, not even <laughs> looking forward when it flies. That that always struck me as weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see how people like the Leo. There, there's also somebody, I forgot who, he commented that he liked the Leo, but the one he said he liked didn't even appear in the series. It was. It must have been in a manga. It was like some super custom Leo that was so customized, it practically looks like a Sazabi or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like red. It has a cape and a crown. Oh yeah, you that know, it, that might have been. Yeah, I think I. I think I might have given him that one because there there was someone who commented with that one a long time ago, and I can't find the comment anymore, so I don't know who it was. So whoever you are, thank you for sending that one because that was the coolest Leo I've ever seen. But yeah, it wasn't in the show. <laughs> Please agree with me on this, though, Brian. At that point, it's not even a Leo. It became a different suit, right? It it became a lion. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> because I mean, it was that it, powerful looking. Like it's it's not a Leo. Yeah, it looked way cooler. I mean, again, I, I think the Leo, it doesn't have to look so drab. You know, if you put some more colors on it and, and bring out some of the details and put some more accessories on it, you could make it look okay. But the ones in the show, I I just thought were. You know, you know what that is? That's we saw that in Iron Blood Orphans, right? I forgot who it was. It wasn't Mikazuki. It was somebody else. They they got like a Gundam, and then like at the midpoint of the show, or or maybe at the end of season one, it got such a dramatic facelift that it had like a completely different looking body. 
Do you remember that? I think it was it was previously skinny and then it got fat, or it was previously a fat Gundam and then it got skinny. Something well, yeah, like that. yeah, it was it was uh, Galio, and he he changed his Gundam Kamaris into the Gundam uh, Vidar. Is that what you're thinking of? I don't know. It might have been one of the good guy Gundams, actually. Oh, okay. Well, then it was Akihiro getting the Gundam Gujin from that bad guy, and then turning into the Gundam Gujin rebake full city. It went from being green and fat to like. Not skinny, but you know, more Gundam-like and yeah. and tan gray, like khaki colored. A, a speed runner, a sprinter. But yeah, even though they might call it the same thing or whatever, it's clearly reached the point where it's become something else. So <laughs> we're all entitled to the mobile suits we like, but at the same time, there's a certain point where yours got customized so much we can't even identify it as what it's supposed to be, what the name is. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. One of his next points, he says, definitely worth reflecting on why this became and remained so popular. And what if Cartoon Network had introduced Gundam with a different series? How would they have done instead, do you guys think? I don't think 0079 would have worked for that younger demographic. And my thought on that, Isaac, is I kind of agree with him. Because 0079, I don't, I don't know that it did that well on Toonami. No. I think a lot of the people like, got into Universal Century because of like 8th MS Team and 0083. More, pro- over here, anyway. And I think that's because Americans like shiny things. I don't know that Americans like old animation. Yeah, absolutely. And more to your point, Wing hit when the iron was hot, right? It was red hot because of the uh, the boy band craze at the time. So it was very popular. I'm glad that they used that avenue to introduce Gundam. And I think only by introducing that, then you can bring in things like the original series. And then afterwards, you know, 0083 and, you know, 8th MS team, things that were much more crisper very recent and very palpable for uh, American eyes. He also said that he loved the idea of the show more than the show itself. And I thought that was a great way of putting it. And it also made me think, Isaac, that there was a lot less choice back then. So when an anime came on that you liked, you really latched onto it, even if it wasn't perfect. But now there's hundreds of anime just at your fingertips. And so if Wing can come out today, you know, would it have caught fire? I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, right? Huh. No, no. Ironically, well, at the risk of sounding sexist, maybe among a a more younger female demographic that would really enjoy watching it. Maybe just because of the the whole boy band thing and could be, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. But but getting back to your point, I feel like back then anime was pretty much you you found some some DVDs and you kind of took a chance. <laughs> or you found bootlegs and you took a chance or you you logged on not logged on even you turned on the tv <laughs> and you you hoped you caught it on cartoon network at the end of the day and then the way you'd find out about other animes you should watch is probably at, at your your circle of friends that also watched anime at, at school nowadays and you know dating Brian and myself this was back in like you know the early 2000s nowadays sky's the limit you can watch old shows you can watch new shows there's so many different genres that are available to you I don't think wing would have been as meteoric because it had a monopoly back in the day when it came out so now it would just be one among many and on that note eat on you on YouTube is adding that he watched Wing in the last six months, and the easiest comparison he can make with it is it's like Friends or The Office or Parks and Rec. It's good, 
to have on the background while doing something else, something you've seen a bunch of times, or it's got a very simple plot and doesn't require your full attention. The last time I watched Wing, it was something something in the background while working on a few model kits. And that kind of makes sense to me, because remember, it was airing on Cartoon Network, and it would air every day. And if you just had it on, if you just knew that, hey, I'm home, and I'm going to watch Toonami, I'm going to leave it on in the background while I do other things, while I do homework, I think that was a common thing that people that uh that kids or teenagers in the target market would have done would have been doing back then i was doing that i'm sure you were doing that and so if you see the same episode over and over by the third time you you already know what's happening so you don't even think to stop and think like does this make sense because you already know that's just what happens this episode and that's you just go with it it's kind of like dragon ball yeah, I I believe that. <laughs> the I wouldn't say it's so much because the plot's simple, but more because th- there's points where it it just zigged and zagged so much that you're just kind of like whatever. They're talking about pacifism, and I know in in five minutes there's going to be a battle outside the castle, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's it, right? True. So I I'd almost want something even more brain dead in the background, like G Gundam. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Isaac. Another listener on YouTube, uh, Ryan Cook, asked if we are going to read Glory of Losers after this. And again, for those that don't recall, Glory of Losers is sort of this newer retelling of Wing and all of its various side stories, kind of in, in one pack, in one manga package that's a little bit more streamlined. And he's asking this so that once we read Glory of Losers, then watch Endless Waltz, then we could read Frozen Teardrop, Isaac, which is the sequel. Uh, I believe they are light novels, which have uh, the characters from Gundam Wing moving to the Mars sphere to try to colonize Mars. Oh, God. I believe Hero and maybe Relena were put into cryo-like sleep, so they have not aged much, whereas some some other characters like Duo have, like, t- actual time has passed, and Duo is a lot older now. I have not read it, but I've read a few things that happen, and it's, it's quite bonkers. Um, so I would love to suffer <laughs> through Glory of Losers just so that I could hear you read Frozen Teardrop and review it, because I think you ranting about Frozen Teardrop would be hilarious. I'd love to. And, you know, even though I'm not the biggest Wing fan, yeah, I, I want to continue the journey and see what happens with whatever shenanigans they get up to. God, who's left to fight? I thought they brought peace. I thought that's what the whole point of this conflict was. Well, didn't that message at the end of the show say that there was peace in the Earth sphere? What about the Mars sphere? <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. Uh oh, is it Jupiter? <laughs> they have to deal with their own Jupiter. Crux Dogati's coming for you. He's back. It's it's a new Dogati. <laughs> uh, here's a humorous note. So Christian Wolf on YouTube. He says, lots of people like to complain about how, how anime was better back in the day, but I distinctly remember a time in the early 2000s when Anime News Network had a post about current anime that's on TV in which they declared that Gundam Wing was the smartest, most intelligent anime in any programming block. <laughs> wow. The bar was low, I <laughs> They didn't have a lot of competition. <laughs> well, and he, he goes on to say... Folks, never forget that in the late 90s and early 2000s, a lot of anime fans judged the quality of a show largely based on how batshit confusing it was, which is partly why Wing and other stuff from that era managed to have such a hold over so many viewers. They're saying Evangelion without saying Evangelion. That's funny, because the first person who commented right after him said, it was I am me and not me, he said, we live in a post-Eva society, (laughs) because he clearly got the reference, and that was immediately what I thought of as well, was Evangelion. 
yeah anything confusing and like referring to like anime at that time period i'm like of course we're talking about evangelion (laughs) that's right so what about that concept though that anime was better back in the day i I feel like that's a whole separate thing i think it's true in some ways and false in others i think as you get and i don't know this is just for me i don't know how you feel but as i get older i think the best you can do is just enjoy whatever you liked from whatever era for what it is it's not always better or always worse you know i can kind of second that i'd I'd say that everybody has nostalgia right for the first anime series that they found that's almost always like almost their favorite one right right um the the first uh, genres that they really dived into they got a lot of good memories talking about their friends at at high school or college whatever so for that reason yeah you and i will always have our kind of original series that really kicked us off into anime you know the 0083 and Cowboy Bebop and Outlaw Star, uh, Trigun, every, everything else that we saw back in the day. But what really uh, I think is good about now is just the sheer variety, the ability to watch it on demand, to binge, definitely. Um, so I, I think not so much that they're spoiled nowadays if you're just getting into anime or if you've been into anime for a few years. But, um, you know, this is going to be your nostalgia in 10 years, 20 years. And you also have to remember that whatever you're watching today was greatly influenced by stuff from the past. So whatever you're watching today would not exist without Cowboy Bebop and, and yeah. Trigun and, and Gundam Wing. And, you know, how many people became interested in in animation or, or, or storytelling because of those shows. So Yeah, or space fascism. <laughs> or space fascism, right? Yeah. <laughs> how many little space fascists, you know... <laughs> yeah, they watched Gundam growing up. <laughs> And they're like, you know what? We should end democracy. <laughs> Eat on you on YouTube wants to know what we think about potentially a redo of Gundam Wing. So he says, so this is wild speculation, but with the 30th anniversary of Gundam Wing coming, they didn't really do anything for the 25th. I could see Sunrise redoing the series using the corrected, flushed out Glory of the Losers story because Sunrise likes a big event to milk a few more dollars out of the cow with retellings that could be commercially successful. Because then if you do that, Isaac, then you could go create the new series, the Frozen Teardrop series, and pitch it as like, oh, this is brand new. What do you think the likelihood of Gundam Wing being redone as he brings up Dragon Ball Z Kai or Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood sort of retelling corrected format and then going on to the sequel from from then? Do you think that's likely? I'd be very surprised if they redo it, but if they did... I'm not a bitter fan or anything like that, but I'd want them to make it as great as they can. I want them to absolutely be successful and to stick the landing. If this manga is infinitely better, and I'm sorry, not even infinitely better. If this manga is half better than the <laughs> anime series, I'd be very happy. And I'd absolutely watch a remake of it, you know. Even if they said it's not going to be that much different or anything like that, I'd be curious enough to rewatch it. Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, I agree. I would watch it if they made a new one. I've never heard anything bad about Glory of the Losers. All I hear is praise. So I kind of hope it gets remade so that all the people who love the show can have a better version of it to go back to and to share with their with their kids. So, Would you want them to bring back the same voice actors, Brian? You know, it, I don't think it was really the voice actors that bothered me. So if they're available, I wouldn't have no problem with that. You don't want me to do Dermail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Isaac, <laughs> listeners, Isaac has been working on his Dermale, Duke Dermale um, impression for a while now. Isaac, why don't you hit us with some, some Duke Dermale? 
Brian, first, I need you to tell me that you're going to embrace total pacifism and we need to demilitarize our military. Duke Dermail, we are going to embrace total pacifism and demilitarize all of our military. Those are very naive ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so please send in a rating of Isaac's Duke Dermail impression. But first, you have to watch that scene in whatever episode that was in where, like, Dermail's meeting with Relena, and she's, like, already been elected the queen of Ramafeller, and she, like, tells him that, and he immediately <laughs> fires back that it's so naive to say that. <laughs> it's like day one of you being queen. <laughs> yeah, day one. I think we should undo everything we've done up to this point, and I've been here for 24 hours. Sure thing, your majesty. <laughs> I think that was also the the same meeting, though, where Drew Mail found out that, like, almost everybody in the room was backing her up and he needed to, like, quickly be careful. <laughs> yeah, that was when he tried to start playing a little bit more of a 3D chess and it didn't work out. No, he, he ended up in a shuttle in space getting blown out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, never get on a shuttle in space in Gundam. Never ends well. No, oh, God. Get in anything but the shuttle. Yeah, just wait. Yeah. Just and stay on the ground. <laughs> And if you're in a colony being attacked, never get to the colony shelter. Just get <laughs> off the colony. <laughs> but not in a shuttle. Oh, that's such a catch-22, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah, I guess if I had a choice between the shuttle and the colony evacuation block, I think I'd still take the shuttle. Really? Huh. It depends how how bad the attack is, right? Yeah, because you, you know the moment like any mobile suit sees that shuttle taking off on a runway, they're going to blow it up yeah. right before it gets to the exit. You know what? You just get in like a little maintenance like ball or a little mobile mobile pod thing, whatever, and go into space. That's your best bet. Yeah, something neutral looking. You don't want either side yeah. thinking that you're going to fight with them. A cargo tug. No, We've almost never seen a cargo tug get blown out, you know? Another point here from Honest Observer, which I thought was a good one. And interesting, he says, I have to say that one thing Wing, despite being the one to kick the whole damn Gundam Bashon trend off, has over both Seed and Double O is better character models. Despite having older and rougher animation, the Wing boys look more distinct from each other and less bland than the glossy dolls of those series. That goes to both <laughs> the, the pilots. Glossy dolls. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. He says that goes to both the pilots and the secondary characters too. I think the crazy hair of Wing actually helps in that situation. And then, you know, of course, this is subjective, but I thought about that and I think I agree with him. Uh, the The Wing designs are a lot more memorable than both the Seed and Double O designs for me in terms of character designs. Um, Seed had just has those big eyes. Yeah, really big eyes, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, Seed came out in that time when that art style was popular, and I. It was really on the one extreme of that, and, and I don't think in a good way. And Double O, they're not ugly in the same way as Seed, but they're like too clean for me, I think. Double O, maybe it just seems generic to me. I'm going to say that they both have pretty noticeable designs to me. I mean, sure, there was an overall glossiness to Seed, sure. Definitely very bright compared to like Wing's somewhat more muted colors. Not that Wing was very dark at all, but the, the design of the characters, the hairstyles, the colors used, it very intentionally kept them different and diverse in, in Seed. Wing, to an extent, their forms were much more similar, I'd say. You could almost be forgiven for thinking they were all you know cousins or something, mm -hmm. um, except maybe Catra. 
<laughs> but seed you looked at some of the pilots on on both sides you'd be like no these people can't be related you know he's got green hair <laughs> and uh isaac has got like a, a bob haircut you know men don't have bob haircuts or white hair like that so <laughs> but that's cheating a bit right like uh how your design is head to toe yeah but i think when i think when you start branching out into like bright green and white hair i feel like it's a little uh cheating is the wrong word but it's if you compare your stuff to someone who's stuck to a more realistic color palette, of course you're going to remember, well, he's the guy with green hair. Well, you're the only one who used green. Like, you didn't, you know, you didn't read the assignment, but... Maybe. Uh, I don't know. But but going even further, like, Double O, I... Maybe just because of my lack of interest in that series, everybody kind of blends together. You know, I couldn't name five characters in Double O. I, I think I can only name one of the villains. Aliel <laughs> Sanchez. <laughs> Well, there's the pilots. You got you got Setsuna. You got a uh, lock okay. on Stratos. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> That's it, right? No, 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 no. Check it out. Check out. it out. Hallelujah, Haptism. This is one of the worst worst <laughs> names in Gundam history. Uh, oh, the design, the head of them, right? That died. Aeolia. Aeolia uh, Schoenberg. Schoenberg. Yeah. Whatever. Right. But who is the other? We're missing like two more Gundam Meisters. First of all, they were called Meisters, Isaac, which I was always like, what, is, what does that mean? Why are you a Meister? I assume Mr. Aeolia went deep into his German roots and said, well, we're not going to call them Masters. We'll call them Meisters. Mr. Areola. You know what? Some of, even though this was a much more superior series, and I'm talking about Iron-Blooded Orphans, some of that carried over, right? Because I really don't remember a lot of supporting characters on the, t- on the side of Tekken. You know, we had blonde guy with like medium hair, blonde guy with short hair. We had red hair guy <laughs> that piloted something and died. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, though, that in, in Iron Blood and Orphan's case, you would definitely recognize them from their actions and from what they were doing in the show. I think that might have been a, a specific decision to keep Tekken in a little samey because they were all the human debris. They didn't have. That's what they are. Thank you for saying that. That's my favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> But then you you know your main ones were very distinct, right? Like Akihiro, Mika, Orga, Orga Biscuit, rest in peace. Those were yeah, all. You can't forget Biscuit. Bi- no. Oh my god! <laughs> Char- talking about character designs, Biscuit sticks out like a sore thumb, right? <laughs> he looks he looks like they got a, an animator just for him, you know, because the the style looks nothing like anybody else in the series. The proportions of like his head and his eyes, like he, all those poor kids are like so. <laughs> malnourished at the beginning of the series is biscuit eating all the food <laughs> maybe he's not viewed as human debris you think they like the company before Tekken, whatever it's called like global security whatever it was oh yeah yeah you think they like he was actually like an employee so <laughs> he was getting like regular rations <laughs> i don't know the, well oh <laughs> he does seem more well nourished than the rest of the cast yeah I think he did because if you remember, he had like siblings, right? He was like, his wages were going to his siblings or something like that. Remember? Yeah, he was sending his money back to his little sisters, Cookie and Cracker. Again, some of the best <laughs> names in Gundam history. Uh, but he also had his older brother who worked for the Colony Corporation, right? Yeah. Okay, that explains it. Then he wasn't human debris. He actually had like a family or something like. That. Okay. All right. Good for you, Biscuit. And and you know what? He he was a high earner because he could afford to eat whatever he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like we're maybe not totally in agreement at this point, but I guess I'd be interested, listeners, what you think in terms of like which show has your favorite character designs? Is it the rougher, 
older animation style shows? Is it the new glossy dolls as Honest Observer is talking about, or is it somewhere in between? Isaac, here's one for you. Jonathan on Facebook says, regarding your idea for a G Gundam spinoff, I think Heavy Arms would make a perfect Gundam America, especially if you look at the <laughs> Ingel unit, if you think about it when it comes to America, everybody thinks of guns and our overwhelming military power, so he fits the bill almost perfectly. You know what, Isaac? If you paint Heavy Arms red, white, and blue, and maybe you retheme it to be like AR-15 themed, I don't know. Could be a Gundam America. Yeah, I like that. It could definitely look well with red, white, and blue, right? Because it's already got a lot of white on it. It's like, what, yeah. red, orange, and yellow? So I think that absolutely works. Yeah. I think even the Gatling gun was a made. Wasn't that made in America? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure whatever the Gatling guy's name was, it was invented for the Civil War. Oh, could be. Could well, be. Let me do a quick Google. All right. Made by Richard Jordan Gatling, who was an American. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Mr. Gatlin. <laughs> Gun of America it is. All right, Isaac, next topic, Endless Waltz. So mm. there were two great things sent in about the serpent. So Honest Observer writes, An old fan site taught me that the 13th constellation refers to Ophic... I can't pronounce this. Ophicus? 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 Huh. The snake, which is considered the 13th astrological sign and corresponds to the serpent. I assumed by the first conversation introducing Deckham and Mary Maya, where she says the mobile suits came from her father, the serpents were at the very least an Oz design that either the Mary Maya army copied or they stole some suits that Trace had been keeping in reserve. Though you guys make a good point that their walking Gatling gun design doesn't seem to fit with Trace's chivalric notions. Maybe that means he scrapped it and they built it anyway. So I did not know that, that the serpent was the 13th constellation. So does that make you, does that change your opinion on the serpent, Isaac? I still think it's weird that he would use an, an astrological sign since he's not part of Oz, but I guess having, maybe if it was an Oz design, that, that does make sense. Definitely the face looks very Oz, right? But at the mm. same time, yeah, it's like, you know, you find out that there's a Soviet <laughs> weapon that had like NATO designated designed optics or something like that. You'd be like, well... Did they? They'd have to have stolen it, or been aware of it at the time and developed it. Like they, they reverse engineered it. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but they very much maybe wanted to tie that in somehow, and that was the best way they could. Like, oh, yeah, this one's got a zodiac name too, and you know, it's the only one that wasn't used. And look, it even looks like the mobile suits from this this timeline. Honest Observer also wanted us to weigh in on the titular line about history. History being an endless waltz, the three beats of war, peace, and revolution continue on forever. I have no problem with that line. I liked it. What's your thought on it? You're the history buff. How did, how did you take that line? I wouldn't so much say revolutions all the time because, you know, sometimes your government and history, the way it plays out, you don't really have a revolution. Your government just gets toppled by maybe another country, you know, or your country kind of ceases to exist and splits in half. Uh, things like that happen. But yeah, I'd say for the most part, you know, even just a, a cursory knowledge of history shows that you know, we're either going to be at peace or we're going to be at war. And we never stay at one or the other for forever. So that's how things go. And uh, Gundam captures that very well. Edon, you adds an interesting thought that I had not had before. I think this film answers a what-if question in the Universal Century. What if Maneva went with the laws instead of Haman? 
Merrimea is the polar opposite of Maneva, and there are a lot of similarities between DeLaz and Deccan Barton. Also, the timing just works out to where there is zero chance this is a coincidence. So do you think that Merrimea is a alternate version of Maneva, essentially? Do you, do you see them as comparable characters? What, what do you think about that comparison? That's pretty interesting. I've never really thought about it, but now that it's mentioned, yeah, I absolutely see them as comparable characters. The only difference, though, is really the nature of their fathers. Dozel wasn't really the actual leader of Zeon at any point, whereas Trey's was absolutely the leader of Earth for a lot, a lot of points in the series. They were also somewhat controlled by people that weren't family, but kind of claimed to be. You know, uh, Mary Maya had uh, Dekim, Mineva had Haman. So they have that kind of shared puppet role <laughs> in their series. Yeah. Um, so I think they absolutely, they absolutely uh, kind of rhyme together. I think the difference, though, is Mineva was more controlled when she was younger than Mary Maya. When Mineva's Mary Maya's age, I feel like she's a more competent character. Hmm. Or, well, I guess I don't remember how old Mary Maya is in Endless Waltz. I'm, th- I'm thinking of Mineva and Unicorn. At that point, she has a lot more agency than Mary Maya ever did. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, well, we never found out what Mary Maya went on to do, but uh, she clearly was led the wrong way, and it went bad. Maneva's almost been, well, I guess it's a new type of abilities, but she's clearly been uh, choosing the right choices. Honest Observer wanted to know if there were any UC characters that resemble Trey's, and his suggestion was perhaps Paptimus. Ugh. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that comparison with Paptimus. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not the biggest Trey's fan, but or the Paptimus fan, but wow, I don't really see that, do you? I don't think I saw it in Paptimus. I was thinking the the two that came to mind for me were Zabine or Darrell Rona, but only in the sense that they had the aristocracy shtick, you know, going. Neither of them yeah. were good natured as Trey's, right? I, I feel like Trey's at his heart is noble. I'm not sure that that's true about Zabine or Darrell. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go way into left field, and I'm gonna say Trey's and Lantro from uh, Gundam X. Lancero was a very committed Space Revolutionary Army officer, but he was also proved to be much more on the side of humanity and peace. Trey's maybe went about trying to create peace the wrong way, but in the end realized he needed to kind of die in order for peace to actually happen. You cheated, though. That was Gundam X. It was supposed to be Universal Century. (laughs) Ah, okay. All right. In the Universal Century only. Great answer, though. That's a deep cut right there. Yeah, I... No, I was about to say Gato, but like the only thing they share in common is their ideals, really. Like how far they're willing to go for their ideals. That that's the closest I could get. Yeah. And they're both such extra pilots. I'll give yeah, them that's that. True. Okay. So we'll move on to another topic. But again, uh thanks again, listeners, for all the the wing and endless walls discussion. That was qu- quite the discourse, so I really appreciate you all taking taking the time. Isaac, let's move to the Jupiter sphere once again. Oh no. Edon you was wondering it, with respect to the Steel 7, Crossbone Gundam Steel 7, why the seven pilots we got were those seven people. And he was saying, you know, look, they need seven pilots. That's easy considering all who should be alive. Tobia, Judah, Rue, Hathaway, Benazir, Riddy, and Jonah uh, from Gundam Narrative. It would, this would be the most OP Gundam team ever, but because half of them were created years after Steel 7 was written, we as the audience miss out. So, 
I don't know that all those people would be willing to sign up for the Steel 7 assignment. That said, I guess if you didn't have a limit on your 7, Isaac, would you try to go get those 7? Or, like, who, who should be on the 7? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, I agree with his, his thought on Judah. I, I feel like he would do it. And he, he kind of would have done it had he not been helium shipment thing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But, like... I don't know. <laughs> that that kind of puts in like logistics. How do you get those people, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean you need a little you need a lot more time, I suppose, to go get yeah. them. They, none of them know each other, right? I mean, you know, if something like Banager and Ensign Riddy, I feel like the Unicorn sequel will sort of uh, well, I said take them off the board one way or another in my in my reply. Uh, I don't know that Banager wants to fight anymore. No, I he's very he, he was anti-war from like the first third. Yeah. Yeah. Of, he he was never unicorn. on board. Yeah. He didn't really even want to get in the damn thing. So it's almost like in Gundam, the more powerful of a pilot you are, the more anti-war you are and you just want the war to end. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> you know, and the more bad you are, I guess the more bloodthirsty you are because you're just, you're going to be guns blazing out in there and just get killed by the Gundam. Yeah. The, his suggestion of Jonah from narrative. That's a good one. Hathaway, without going into too much spoilers, I'm not sure that he would be too available for that assignment. <laughs> but uh, there, there were some other Isaac, others I thought of. What about our other like F90 era friends? You know, there was Berg Scred. He was the main character in the Formula Wars game that we played. That dude killed like a million Zeon people. I would definitely want him on my team. Hmm. The the main character of from F90, Def Stallion, he he did okay. I would put him on the team too if he was available. So I feel like there's a lot of other people kicking around. I still would want Harrison to go based on his supposed track record that we've never seen. I'll, I'll give him this. He lives. So <laughs> like yeah. Burns, he's got that going for him. The ability to come back from missions. Luck ran out for Burns, I suppose. Then, but, Yeah, uh, that's true. But that, not not until the end. <laughs> many, many times before. But yeah, I guess Eat On You, it's a good, it's a good thought. I guess I'd have to go with it's it's so short notice that I don't think everyone can make it to this assignment. Yeah, almost like uh, I'm trying to think like what movie I'm thinking of like I don't know sort of like an Avengers type thing right where there's a threat coming but you have enough time to go across the Earth sphere to collect everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can see that working just not not within the time limits that we almost always face in manga stories that have to be re- really being under the gun to get something done. And as you pointed out during our review, they wasted several hours having their you know nice m- meal from Geary on Earth when, when he was yeah. a chef. So <laughs> I mean, they did have to kind of, I guess, placate him, right? Like they, He needs to be patronized, and we have to eat the food before he, we can actually bring him on. <laughs> True. Here's an interesting one, hearkening back to our games discussion from a long time ago, Isaac. Hugo Sandez on Twitter uh, says, if you guys could make a Gundam game, what would it be like? And I replied that we would both want, I spoke for you, Isaac, so I apologize. I, I said, we would want a sequel to Bonds of the Battlefield, which is that one where you sit in the big cockpit and all the data is shared across all the arcades in Japan that is uh, playable and translated in the United States. Absolutely, yeah. I'd want that more than Giren's Greed because this would allow us to connect to the Japanese community that's playing. It would absolutely cause a growth for an American community. You could put it in like you know some of the existing arcades and stuff like that are still around. 
certain fans would definitely try to find a way to get into their home. Yeah, I think that might be you and me, Brian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, sign me up. You know, with VR, that could be a possibility as, as VR gets better and better. So, Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, just buy the cockpit thing. Just put on your headset and go in. Yeah. You know, it, it, it'd be amazing. People online will put up their 3D printed cockpit, you know, designs. You can download it, 3D print it. Wow. Put your, v, put your VR goggles on and just go to town. Put on your flight suit. <laughs> Your helmet. In case you couldn't tell, listeners, Isaac had his flight suit in the back of his closet for a yeah. while. He's been itching for an excuse to put it on. Let's hope it fits. <laughs> Brian, are you gonna like get a gla- uh, a flight suit with like a, a a safety shatterable visor? So if you get killed Shima style, like you can tell your wife just to smash that that visor. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. I go for full immersion here. There you go. Yeah, she'll smash it as you like gasp. <laughs> <laughs> but Hugo, I guess my 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 thought here in answering this question is that as I don't know how old you are, Hugo, but as you get older, Isaac and I play a lot of video games at this point. I'm sure you could make a a good Gundam game that controls a little bit better than maybe previous Gundam games. But I think if I was designing a Gundam game from the ground up, I would still want the bonds of the battlefield thing because at this point I'm going for like immersion if if all bets are off and I control everything. And the one thing we don't have, or the one thing that's it's hard to get, is that full-on immersion of being in the cockpit, right? Like, that's that's what we're missing, right, Isaac? Yeah, and there's been, like, attempts to kind of do that with, like, things like Steel Battalion or people just kind of building, you know, the, the whole flight simulators that um, people get really immersive into. But something Gundam would just be really next level. I mean, there's no there's no comparison to it. What color would you paint your cockpit, Brian? Oh, like if I 3D printed it at home? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Mint? No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess I would try to make an accurate one, you know? It's a lot of grays, and I'd probably put a lot of stickers on it. Gray and white. Okay. What, what about you? Would you have Xeon emblems all over it, like in a oh, Xeon green? Oh, of course. Or what? Of course. It'd be very Xeonic in, in color. Probably make it more black, purple. You okay. Know, dom color. Very dom. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of red here and there is about it. I, I like it. I can totally see you getting into your dom first thing in the morning. Yeah, I might do like the thing that Mikhail did, I think, from uh, 0080 where he had like an open flask in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm gaming from home. What what what, what What's the harm? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Isaac, let's move on to Gundam as a Western. So, Ooh. listeners, I want to take this opportunity to mention that, you know, I don't know how you all feel about sometimes when Isaac and I go off the deep end and create, you know, Gundam in a different genre. We have fun with it. We like it. We hope you like it too. Uh, we try to do different things in this podcast, right, Isaac? I mean, not every one of our shows is a is a listicle or or a review. We're trying to come yeah. up with original Gundam topics like Gundam as a Western or the Gundam Hotel. So while they may deviate a little bit from the normal sort of podcast style topics uh i don't know i think you know we, we don't want to be just like any other gundam show so hopefully you like those type of things yeah not not that those are bad or anything it's just brian and i have been friends for a long time gundam fans for a long time so 
when those two things intersect, you know, you have like the conversations you have with your friend about, you know, oh, what if a Gundam did this? Or, yeah, how come what if they did a story like this? Or, you know, how come there's no side story talking about, you know, this battle or that battle? And then that always leads into tangents and stuff like that. So, of course, we talk about like, you know, our own ideas and stuff like that and, you know, joking around and sunset, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, we we hope you guys can. We we assume you guys can absolutely relate, not just to Gundam, but I mean, really anything that you guys consume. You know, Star Wars or Marvel or what what else? Other anime series? Who knows? Um, we, you know, we you all have your own ideas about other types of content and genres and stuff like that, universes, and that's kind of the same thing we do here. In between, you know, our usual reviews and stuff like that that we want to for series that we want to rewatch and and stuff like that. Talk about it. And I hope you like it, because there's another one coming. I don't know when, <laughs> but it's coming. We just haven't recorded yet. <laughs> They're never stopping. Uh, so on that note, Isaac, for Gundam as a Western, we did not receive a lot of comments. However, one of the few we did was from Adam on YouTube. And Adam, you wrote us a book, and I love it. So thank you. So I'm going to read an excerpt <laughs> from his uh, his stuff, because he was, he was stoked about our Gundam as a Western idea, Isaac. So we at least impressed one person we at least have one convert to gundam as a western so here we go ready good saddle on up i'm gonna try to read it with the same enthusiasm with which he wrote it but i I might fail do it on to my opinion he says first i want to say kind of funny how you guys didn't point out that the first gundam series often does feel like a western because of the barren lands and dystopian towns i mean amuro finds himself eating bread in a saloon so Western isn't so far off for 0079. Next, I totally disagree with the team idea. This theme idea of a Western for me set ablaze of the idea of a solo Gundam pilot moving through the world just like Clint Eastwood's Blondie. That and, of course, Vash the Stampede, as you guys mentioned. For me, it would be heavenly if the protagonist was basically a straight ripoff of Blondie and almost always tried to use the Gundam as a last resort because of how much attention it draws. He would move from town to town, seeking jobs as a hired gun, only to run into outlaws that used mobile suits for overwhelming advantage, forcing him to eventually use the Gundam in its overwhelming force. This would create a constant threat and a problem of not being able to get to the Gundam on time. He rides a sick futuristic motorcycle referred to as a steel or iron steed. He would be (laughs) soft-spoken and extremely introspective, seeking not to judge anyone, but instead understand why are they the way they are. He is adrift in this manner with no end game or goal in mind. He is a transient wanderer, merely using his abilities to help when and where he can, one step at a time, against the endless problems that befall most of these people. Making friends and connections along the way, but always knowing others are in need of aid, forever moving forward, unanchored. What do you think about that for the main character description, Isaac? I'm all for it. What a fun setting. There's just kind of lawlessness in the West and this one mobile suit pilot and a Gundam's just going town to town, just trying to get on by. And of course there's bandits running around and we can bet our money that they're mono eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listeners, I, you know, I think what Adam is describing, what he's referring to when he says Clint Eastwood's Blondie. So that's Clint Eastwood's character from the, what's, what's known as the dollars trilogy. It was a famous trilogy of films directed by Sergio Leone that are very sort of, genre defining the soundtrack is phenomenal we actually didn't talk too much about the soundtrack on the western uh, episode isaac but i think it would it would have to have a sergio leone type movie soundtrack right i'd hope so that'd really bring it all together that'd be probably be amazing too absolutely you have to have that with all those barren wastelands adam continued about the gundam isaac he we had a big disagreement here 
So the first thing that came to mind was a Gundam in a poncho, just like Blondie. I'm reluctant to embrace it though, because as, as a serious Gunpla enthusiast, I'm extremely into machine realistic aesthetics, and I quickly noticed the idea that all fabric seems unrealistic as <laughs> think Evangelion Unit 2's intro garb. So cool, but what machine could really produce such fabric? So to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. The best I got is it, it would use two massive magnum beam revolvers. The cowboy hat idea is out the <coughs> window. Are you kidding? It would immediately make it more of a G Gundam series. It would be cool, though, if Tequila Gundam made a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we kind of explained the cowboy hat idea. It made sense, right? Some type of Monofsky dish or something on for the, the radiation on the world, blah, blah, blah. Something like that, you know? And as for the poncho, I mean, that's got so much... I- iconic weight to it that I feel no pun intended that I feel like it would work and you can kind of hand wave it the same way they did in um what was it skull heart just all crossbone yeah where they had the beam <laughs> the beam cloaks so yeah I-, I think the poncho can work but I mean clearly Adam takes his westerns very seriously and he wants he wants a great Gundam as a western story Isaac <laughs> yeah I- I'd even be happy with tequila Gundam in the background at some point and uh Jake Another commenter on YouTube and Facebook, he actually sent us some pictures. Apparently, Tequila Gundam uh, makes an, an appearance in Build Divers uh, with some modifications. It's, it's called Tequila Gundam Daniel Custom. So Tequila Gundam's sticking around. It's got two revolvers. I think it has a spot in the show, Isaac. I hope so. W- would that be some type of like alcohol-related episode or something? Like, Of course there's a Tequila Gundam that shows up alongside Whiskey Gundam and <laughs> who knows, uh, Champagne Gundam. <laughs> Maybe it's during uh, Prohibition, Isaac, and Tequila Gundam is like an outlaw. Well, Prohibition in the Old West, that's going to be rough. (laughs) Isaac, I wanted to have a shout out to our unofficial military correspondent on Twitter, Andrew at Workhorse Painter, also used to be known as Workhorse Diesel. You said he's on loan to us from NATO, right? That's right. He's he's taking a break from the uh, fighting the good fight out against the, uh, the forces against democracy. Well, right after we did our last mailbag episode, Isaac, he, he put together um, a display of his new one-year war uh, gang of mobile suits. He's got an guy, a Guf, a Zaku, a Dom, wow, and a Gog, and they're all custom-painted. How about those colors on that Dom, Isaac? It's pretty cool. They all look great. I like the white shoulders, and oh, look at the beam saver. He even did it like... It's heating up or something, right? Because it's like white hot at the bottom, and then it just gets the gradations of the heat as it goes up. Look at the the gog; it's all aquaticy, you know. Yeah. Wow, great painting, great painting. I like the the jungle, the maybe forced camo on the zaku, and then clearly the guff is an officer, right? Because he went wacky with his paint scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's clearly the leader here. He's got a quite the elaborate shield. I like that. You know what? I want everybody to know that this is my guff. <laughs> <laughs> I am really effing important. <laughs> oh, he's got a shotgun, too. That's cool. Yeah, I wonder where he took the shotgun from. Oh, and the Zaku. I just realized the Zaku's got the, what is it, the 90 millimeter. The, the machine gun you like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The much more advanced one. Nice. <laughs> so, Andrew, it's people like you that make me embarrassed to post my gun plug because I cannot paint like that. <laughs> yeah, this is what Gundam's all about. Look at the act guy. Like, initially, you look at it and you think it's kind of simple, but he did that cool thing where along the edges of each segment, it got a little bit darker, right? So it's, like, got almost a weathered look to it, you know, like it's been used in the environment. Yeah, that's some classy airbrush shading right there. 
Yeah, very nice. Wow, this is impressive. See, this is why we pick good correspondents, Isaac. We don't just pick anyone. You know what? <laughs> when we do our side story, I hope we remember this this shot because they should probably be in the side story. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And, Andrew, we're hijacking your designs. That guy's going to be in the side story, the, the <laughs> Guff Commander, and then this rest of this little squad. You know, I don't know. We'll call them something. We'll call them the gang. <laughs> gang of five. I think our side story takes place in space, so we'll have to figure out a way to get the at guy and the gog moving around a little faster. <laughs> well, if we're going to have space juagus, we can probably have space at guys and space gog. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Don't give away the whole plot, Isaac. I space won't. Juagus. I won't. It's- it's, it's a surprise. Well, they knew they were coming. <laughs> you know. All right, Isaac, last comment for the day. This one came from Jonathan on Facebook, who had a new twist on your Chrono Gundam pitch. What if there were two Chrono Gundams? Wow. I mean, that absolutely makes sense, right? Because this whole series is about the past and the present. So Jonathan said, During testing the engines, the cycle frame resonates out of control and brings some people from the past to the present. Due to the cycle frame resonating out of control, during the engine testing, a portal is opened connecting the present to the event of the Axis shock. Oh my god, Brian, where could this be going? <laughs> this then transports Char and Amuro to the present. Oh, of course it does, because they were missing during Char's counterattack at the end, right? That is right, they disappeared. They time-ported, Brian. <laughs> Char leaves his escape pod and steals a red Chrono Gundam during the confusion and faces off with Amuro in the new Gundam. Char gets the upper hand, immobilizing the new Gundam and takes off in the red Chrono Gundam. Eventually realizing the true power the, the red Chrono Gundam possesses, Char goes on a journey to right the wrongdoings of the human race through time and space. <laughs> wow. Like, we have to go through time to catch him? Like, it's a time chase movie? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a time chase, time race, you know? And you know what's going to happen? Char's going to go to the time of the dinosaurs and successfully drop the asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan continues, Amaro and the rest of the testing team must then chase after Char, continuing Amaro and Char's fight to a final battle to stop Char once and for all. Chrono Gundam versus Chrono Gundam. He later wrote, Maybe have a moment where Amaro foils Zeon's Operation British, by shorting the colony to change its trajectory, causing it to land in Sydney instead of landing on Jabrow. Wow, that would be such sweet use of the time-hopping abilities of the Chrono Gundam to show that it worked enough that they went into the past, to st- or maybe they had to go into the past, to stop Operation British, which was going to be successful without the intervention of the Chrono Gundam. Yeah. Hmm. Jonathan finally says... To wrap things up, maybe ending the series in an epic recreation of the final shot to defeat Char, causing both of their engines to explode, the shockwave sending the testing team ship back to the present, bringing things back to normal. (laughs) He said he realizes this is a bit of a stretch and it kind of resembles 0083, but anyways, he hopes we enjoy the idea and maybe make a Chrono Gundam pitch episode two. (laughs) Maybe we will. Maybe we'll come back to it. I mean, you know, alternate universes and stuff like that are always uh, interesting. What if, what could have been? What do you think, Brian? Well, Isaac, he, he really took your idea and really ran with it here. He sprinted. He really used it to connect the Universal Century timeline backwards and forwards from the one-year war to the Axis shock. Quite the feat there, uh, Jonathan. So uh, what, did, what did you think of it, though, Isaac? I mean, this, this was your baby. I think this is 
in many ways an improvement on my idea because we're actually using it to go through time and influence things. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing Char and Amuro come back and continue the fight, it really explains where they went. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that explanation better than the one we got in Unicorn slash narrative? Yeah, with their whole, how their spirits lived on or whatever and yeah. their their souls lived on. Uh, I, I was never a fan of that kind of explanation. To me, they kind of, I, I preferred the whole MIA, MIA dying, you know? Yeah. But this is, why not? You know, why not kind of do that? Unless fans feel like it's going to be such a an eye roll <laughs> that they lived and they went through time and then they ended <laughs> up impacting like events in the past, you know? But of course, that question raises, that raises the question of, well, how did they know they had to go into the past to fix those things, you know, to make them yeah. happen the way they did? Fair. You know, unless they happen by accident. But but of course, now we're talking about, we're going to make ourselves cross-eyed talking about time paradoxes. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really like, Jonathan, how you dug deep and you went to all these different ways that we actually get to use the time-traveling ability, you know, and it actually kind of shows that it, it did have an impact in what we've already seen. I, I think any manifestation of Chrono Gundam would have to be in some sort of alternate timeline. You know, your pitch, Jonathan's pitch, doesn't matter. Both of them would just really rile up the purists, and I think there, there'd be a lot of eye-rolling. That doesn't mean it couldn't be a very fun series. I mean, I would watch it if you made it. <laughs> I, I think the likelihood of something like this getting made is pretty low. Do you want, like, at the end of it, it turns out it was all a dream for, like, Amuro, and he's, like, on his way to, like, I don't know, s- some colony. <laughs> he, he's still on his way to Frabo's house in, in 0079. He, he, no, it's Frabo waking him up. Oh, yeah. Amaro, Amaro, why aren't you eating Amaro? He's like, oh, I, God, I had this insane dream. There was like a war. <laughs> Sudden about a, a thing called a Gundam. <laughs> In that continuity, though, um, Tem Ray is still an actor. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and before he goes insane. <laughs> Jonathan, you're part of the Chrono team now. <laughs> Official Chrono consultant. Come to the Chrono team where we always have time for more ideas. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> zing. Well, Isaac, that was all we had, I think, on our list. Just want to say thank you again to the listeners for tuning into the show. We greatly appreciate it. Please send us your ideas and keep those comments flowing. Yeah, absolutely. Keep them flowing. We appreciate it. Got our little colony drop community, all of our Gundam fans, united in our love for Gundam. No matter what series is your favorite, who's your favorite pilot, what's your favorite mobile suit, what's your favorite song <laughs> from the series even. <laughs> We're all united in our love for Gundam and mobile suits. Except Uh-oh. if you like that double O movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. And and also another movie that must not be named. Right, Brian? Oh, boy. It starts with a G. <laughs> G, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fighting words in, in our households. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you like... The double O movie, it's okay, but it's not really. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Who likes no, it? No, there was Who there was at least it? a few commenters that was like, I I do like the movie. <laughs> They've been banished. <laughs> They've been sent to Jupiter with no water. <laughs> Lucky for you, listeners, we have no power over you whatsoever. <laughs> but Dogati will when you get to Jupiter. Ooh. I'm just gonna yell at you from his fish tank. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All right, listeners, please. Please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Isaac, take us out. All right, listeners, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed, get on your knees, put your hands together, look up at the ceiling, and hail Zeon.
Good night, everybody.